Welcome back, hour two of Sunday Skate. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Joe, I just wanted to see your face when I said that. You're like, what? Uh, DJ Bean, Joe McDonald, and Ken Laird. Uh, we've been talking Louis Erickson all morning thus far. You can call in 617-779-7937. Uh, but to weigh in on this, let's get somebody who actually knows what they're uh, talking about. Uh, the great Andy Brickley from Nesson. Andy, how are you? How are you doing, boys? Outstanding. Uh, we've been debating it thus far. We'd love your opinion. What do you do with Louis Erickson? Well, I think what the Bruins are doing is what you have to do. I think they need to negotiate with this guy. The, uh, I think the ideal situation is that you re-sign him. I mean, he's really important to the success of the team, what success you can reach. Uh, obviously, he's a talented guy, smart guy, first power play, kills penalties, versatile, can play either wing, which is important with this group. He can play with a variety of centers and I think the Bruins certainly have a hard number in terms of dollars, cap hit, and term. And the question is, do you have to sign him or not sign him? No, I don't. I don't think you have to sign him. But I think the Bruins have to evaluate, uh, you know, where their future is, where their future is with guys that are coming up for contract, as I'm sure you guys already have mentioned. Probably Krug, Marchand, top that list. Uh, you have to evaluate what your young players are, and you have to evaluate what your opportunity is to win in the next two, three years of that Louis Erickson contract of where he's going to be a big piece of your team, and can you win? Are you you know are you good enough to challenge and have a deep playoff run during that that time frame? And I think that's what they're doing. Unfortunately, from where I sit, I think that's going to be a difficult task to do. I think they have a hard time signing him based on the term and the dollars that he's looking for. Players that you know they're going for that that big time contract because they want to take care of you know, family security and that sort of thing. And there are other guys who may take that so-called hometown discount because they want to stay in a, in a certain market or team and because they want to win. Where do you see maybe Louie kind of falling into that those two categories? Um, what is he, Joe, 31? 31, Yeah, he's turning 31, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, this is, this is his last, last real or best opportunity for leverage to cash in. And, and, and I think that's... Well, we're looking at we're looking at a guy that's trying to maximize his dollars. Um, I don't really buy in a whole lot, given the athletes of today, and, and, and maybe you could even have that same opinion as athletes of every generation. That when you have the hammer, you use the hammer because the window is only so wide. You can only play so long, and you can only you know have that earning power for certain points in your career. And he's got it right now, and I think that's really what drives the day. Go ahead, Ken. Well, Brick, I was just going to ask you, the conspiracy theorist in me last night saw Spooner up on the wing, and I was thinking this is them trying to see how it might look if they do move Louie and how he would look on the wing. What do you think, Spooner at wing compared to center? Yeah, um, I don't see Spooner on the wing in his future at all, to be honest with you. Um, you know, he made a nice play to Marchand last night on that first goal, but uh, I think Spooner's a center. I think he's far more effective as a center as he learns to to play at this level and he learns to develop. Uh, you know, there's always a silver lining when guys get hurt. When David Krejci went down, you know, he needed to move up and, and take on a greater challenge, not just learning the three zones, but playing against tougher competition and higher expectations. And, and he grew from that experience, and you hope that that is an experience that in learning that he applies now when he goes back to the third-line center position. And you hope that he's able to elevate the players that he will eventually play with on the wing given the experience he had. and 
Uh, you know, Bolesky suffered, Erickson suffered with the absence of Krejci in terms of production, even though Spooner came in and, and put some points up himself. So I don't see Spooner being on the wing, and I, and I really don't connect those two dots with, with him playing wing and, and trying to figure out the Louis Erickson situation. Yeah, good take, Ken, you big idiot. No, uh, <laughs> That's why we have Brick on. Uh, Brick, uh, speaking of, of the wings, have you seen enough from these guys and – I mean, you can go down the list, whether Conley, Vetrano, Pasternak, whomever, that if they do indeed move on from Erickson, because I, th- I think in their mind, the Bruins wanted to have a ton of wings, so they didn't have the problem they had last year, which was who's going to play the right wing on this line, who's going to play the left wing on this line. They have enough bodies to do that now, but have you seen enough from them that you think they could survive uh, losing Erickson and, and remain com- uh, competitive? Um. No, it would be a big hit this year if they traded Louis Erickson for future assets. Uh, from what I've seen and the inconsistency that I've seen from a Conley, from a Hayes, from the, the inexperience of a Vetrano, who I like as a player, but he needs more seasoning. Uh, Pasternak, who we all like as a player, but certainly needs more seasoning. Uh, Ferraro's probably a good, you know, 12th forward or bottom six right winger. Uh, Randall, you know, you know what he provides. I mean, those those are your wings on the right side, basically. But Connolly and Hayes are the two key guys. You know, those guys need to be far more consistent than they've been. Uh, Connolly have no problem with the work ethic, just have a problem with the production. Hayes needs to be far more consistent in terms of his approach to the game and his effort and, and what it takes to play at this level. We know he's got good skill. Uh, so if you if you take Erickson away, you subtract him, and then you don't replace him. Uh, with somebody that has the ability to play at the NHL level, in other words, you're making a deal for future assets, that's a big hit to this team. And and I don't know what you guys think, but when you kind of handicap what's going on in the East, you know, and you say, well, are the Bruins a playoff team? And if they are, as currently constituted, how deep can they go? I mean, it just seems to be as the Washington Capitals and everybody else. Yes, totally. Yeah, and and I mean, here are your options. You negotiate a new deal with uh, Louis Erickson, you get him under the under the term and the money that you want, or you trade him, or and I'm not even sure this is an option. You let the contract ride, and you know you hope to sign him in the off season, and maybe the cap changes, or or you make some deals when when the time is right in the off season. But I really don't see that third option as as an option. Yeah, so not not, not to get into that trade market, you know, and if you're trading for future assets. Wow, this, that's even more pressure on guys like Connolly and Hayes to be to be far more productive on a consistent basis. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, I was just gonna, you know, getting away from from Louis for a second. Brick, you had mentioned uh, the East and certainly the Atlantic Division. When you look at the way the standings are currently set up right now on January, whatever the heck today is, the twenty fourth. You know, who do you see coming out of the Atlantic because it's it's so tight. Yeah, I, uh, at the beginning of the year, I think I was probably along the same lines as all you guys. I thought Tampa, given the success they had last year, even with the Stamco situation, was going to be there all year and, and, and what they were going to do with him uh, in terms of finance and, and getting this guy on the contract and making a deal. I just thought that uh, that development of those triplets and the fact that they had a goaltender and headman emerging as a go-to guy that could play 26, 27, 28 minutes on a regular basis, that that team would be the team uh, to win the division, and, and it took them a while to get to where they are now. And if everybody stays healthy across the board, all teams stay healthy or get healthy, and everybody has their full complement of players, including Price in Montreal, I still think it's Tampa. Do you do you like this group of defensemen 
enough, or the, the young defensemen, I should say, the Colin Millers, the Zach Trotmans, the Joe Morrows of the world, that you'd be content uh, using this season as kind of developing them? Or if you do trade Erickson, in your mind, would you throw a young defenseman in to try to get a real legit blue chip uh, blue liner? I think they have enough uh, in terms of depth on defense to include a defenseman in a deal, absolutely. Uh, do I think they're a great group and a great collection of a, of a top six or top seven? No, there's definitely some room for improvement there. Uh, you know, I'm still waiting for, uh, you know, I, I'm a fan of Kevin Miller's. I, I like his intensity. You know, when you see the Bruins play, and you see him play against Vancouver, and you say, you know, where's the intensity, the intensity from everybody? Well, you get intensity from Kevin Miller every time he steps on the ice, and I like that about him. Does that mean he plays great every night? No. And, I, and I'm waiting for him to blossom into that Johnny Boychuk-type player. Uh, we saw Adam McQuaid go through that experience where he got to a certain level you know, to be the player that Adam McQuaid is, not a Johnny Boychuk, but still he took an opportunity to get in the lineup and not play himself out of it. And I'm waiting for that to, to not so much Kevin Miller, but a guy like Zach Trotman. You know? He's that next guy. I mean, you see this kid, he, he's built like Adonis, he can move on the ice. You know, you're just waiting for him to establish himself as a top-five defenseman on this Bruins team, and it's just taking a long time for it to happen, if it's going to happen. And, you know, you walk around up there on the ninth floor at the home games and, and, and visit with different scouts, and our experience is that you know, everybody asks about Trotman, you know, because they see this kid that he's got something you can't teach, which is size and strength, and, and they know that he can play at the NHL level, but they're waiting for that next step. They want to see it, and it's not – it's not being seen enough to convince you that this is this is one of those guys. And as far as the rest of the group, Joe Morrow has got to show me more. He's got to show me that you know that this is very very important to him that he become a top six defenseman and play every night and and be counted on, you know, to play to the best of his capabilities. And I'm not seeing that either. So when you when you evaluate this group, there's depth. They all can play at this level. But how consistent can they be? How good they, can they be? And how badly do they want to be part of this? Uh, and I think that's the next step in the development. As far as Colin Miller's concerned, um, you know, I put him in the same category as a Pasternak or a, or a Vitrano as far as the forwards go. He needs to play. He needs to develop. He needs the reps. But you're in that difficult situation of how many mistakes can we live with if we're in the business of winning games? Yeah, I, I don't know if you if – you... If you guys agree, for for me, Colin Miller is the guy that I play through everything, and I say at the end of the season, if if Colin Miller is that much closer to being a legit NHL player, then I'm fine with it. Uh, but then, yeah, the number of guys they have, I think that that makes them uh, expendable on the uh, older end of the Bruins defenseman spectrum. Yeah, there's... and it's important that you bring that up. And before you go there, uh, sure, DJ. If if you had a younger, uh, more effective Zdeno Char and a healthier, younger, however you want to describe Dennis Steidenberg, to play alongside of Colin Miller, I'm with you on that assessment. You know, I play him and I allow him to play with a guy that can teach him while you play with him, make up for his shortcomings and allow that development and that growth. But they really don't have that guy anymore. Hmm. Uh, on on Chara, there's been a lot of talk throughout the season of. Is he falling off? When does he hit that wall? Is he no longer the guy that he was? For me, I think that he's still uh, one of the 
top maybe 15 defensemen in the NHL. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering what your assessment is of the season he's having and how much they can rely on him. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know about numbers in terms of top, you know, sure. 10, 15, 20, 25, whatever number you want to put on it. Uh, we see him night in and night out. Um, we see where you can see there's, uh, you know, a lot of wear on the tread. There are games when it's difficult for Zidane to play to the level you want him or he himself expects him to play. He's still very effective. He's still one of the hottest guys to beat. You know, I mean, even even when he's not on top of his game, he's in the way. He breaks up plays just by being in the way and having, you know, a huge frame and that wingspan and a long stick and his intelligence. And, you know, and then there are other nights when you say, wow, this game has really trended in the fast category and he's having a hard time keeping up. And, 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 and then when he tries to really get involved in the offense, sometimes you can see that, you know, 38-year-old, a uh, guy that's played a ton of hockey. He's missed very few games in his career. Uh, and then there are nights when he's a dominant force, and he's the best player on the ice, certainly the best player for the Bruins. So you're going to get all of that. You know, it's going to be a true total melting pot of games for Zanino Jara, you know, uh, given where he's at in his career. Is it still good enough? Absolutely. Uh, would you love to see it more consistently and, and, and more dominance and, and a guy that can really control the game? Sure, you'd like to see that, but you got to live with the reality, and that's why it's so important that these young defensemen understand what they have in front of them, how to grasp it, and how to become better players. That will make Zidane Chara a better player. And it, and it almost seems, guys, like that, you know, with Peter Shirelli, there was no institutional depth. There was no next wave of talent. We, we know this history. Mm. The veteran players had the leverage of contract time. That's why they got to salary cap jail. But they wanted to keep the band together, and they wanted to win in the Chara window, correct? Yes. Now they want to win in the Bergeron crazy Rask window. Hmm. You know, we, we we have moved beyond Chara window, haven't we? Yeah. Well, that's uh, it's funny. We were actually talking about that before we went on the air, which is uh, feeding into the do you sign Erickson storyline. Even if the Chara window is closed, that doesn't mean Chara can't be a key piece of, exactly. as you said, the Bergeron window or the crazy window, the the exactly. Rask window. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's certainly my sentiment. Uh, yeah, and that's no disrespect to uh, to the Bruins cap. And it, but the window, meaning you're focusing on Shara. He was your top dog. He's making top money. He's the guy that plays the most minutes. Well, he still makes the most money. He still plays the most minutes. Uh, but now your focus becomes, well, you know, if the Bruins are sellers and, you know, are they wasting a year? Do they not think they can win? You know, and, and you got Bergeron right at that prime age, Krejci at that prime age, Rask at that prime age. Of course they think they can win, and of course they think they can have a deep playoff run. And that's why it all comes full circle to how difficult it is to to assess Louis Erickson's value to this team and how far out you can go in terms of a contract and what kind of dollars we can play him. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that with, with Chara, the, the goal probably with him is he remains your top pair, but as the years go on, the hope would at least be that he's the top pair like Jalmerson and Oduya were in Chicago where your top pair isn't necessarily your best pair. Like he takes the tough competition and allows the, the really good other pair, the, the best pair, I suppose to play against weaker competition and feast. The issue is that plan would probably include having a guy like Dougie Hamilton. And you, you wonder how, how much better Colin Miller gets, but uh, yeah, as time goes on, you, you hope that he can still be a shutdown player without having to be the kind of end all be all. Absolutely, and if and if you can point me in the direction of Keith and Seabrook, <laughs> right? Yeah, you just need to get that Keith and Seabrook pair. <laughs>
Brick, you know, we looked at we're looking at the standings here, and and you know, we we've talked about how the Bruins are, you know, they're on the bubble. They have been for the majority of the season. Uh, the league, uh, the division is tight. What do, what does the Bruins have to do in order to uh, to get into the playoffs this year? Well, they got to win at home. I think that's <laughs> the first. Thing. You know, I'm not. We were talking about this the other night that if you uh, you know in, in its simplest form, when you talk about playoff teams, generally where do you start? You start with well, can they win on the road? Can they win close games? How good are they five on five? What's their team defense like? When you get into special teams, there's usually a, a weighted system where your penalty killing has got to be better than your power play. And even though the Bruins' power play has just been awesome this year, their penalty killing has really come on. It's been such an important piece of what they're trying to develop over there. So you check all those boxes. And then you have a you know a 500 or less than 500 road, uh, home record. And you, that, that scares me that the Bruins you right. know, put themselves in jeopardy of not securing a playoff spot because they can't win consistently at home. So that that's uh, that's where you have to start when you talk about this Bruins team. Um, I think uh, as a whole, the young players, because we play in this cap league now, that uh, you know what you're going to get. I think from your veteran guys, so and guys we've already talked about, guys we've touched on, particularly on the right side. They need some production from the right side outside of Louis Erickson. The way you look at it, when you stack up the roster, I mean, you know, if Pasternak's going to play and play regularly and be a, a player that you hope is going to develop into a, a very, very good top six, you know, forward, then you got to think Louis Erickson's going to play on the left side. So your right side, and, and it goes again back to Connolly and Hayes or some form thereof. If, if you're not happy with those guys and you need to make deals to bring in something else, you got to get some production uh, on that, you know, top six. Uh, as far as the D is concerned, again, it's that, that youth and the development and hoping guys develop right in front of our eyes to the point where they become very trustworthy. I think they're getting enough in net, certainly, to be uh, you know a top-three team in the division. Uh, I like their strength down the middle with the development of Spooner and, of course, the one-two punch of Bergeron and Creasy. I think all that stuff is good. Their special teams are good. So they got to win at home. they got to be far more consistent. I mean, we can spin it and talk about their resiliency and lessons learned, but it really comes down to being a consistent, intense team and making it uh, a lot tougher for teams to come into Boston and win hockey games. All right, you were a multi-sport athlete, so who you got today? Pat's Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm already on record because uh, we were required to make a prediction on Nesson. So oh, I okay. The Patriots went in and I got them covering. How's that? All right, that's now outstanding. It's the next question. <laughs> all right, thanks, Brick. Always great hey, talking you to you. Philly at all? What's that? Are you guys going to Philadelphia? No, we are not. I going am to not. Philly. No, unfortunately not. Okay. All Have right. fun. I'll see you Tuesday. <laughs> all right, thanks, Brick. Thanks, Brick. All right, we're gonna hit a break and we'll be back on the other side of this.